truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today live and on demand on Blaze Radio, TV, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre here with me. A fourth member of our panel, DC McAllister, will be joining us here momentarily as we get set for the day scrape roundtable in just a matter of moments. 888-933-93 is the number. That's 888-933-93. If you've been emailing us recently, good news for you. Today is Feedback Friday. Still time for you to get your feedback in via the stevedace.com inbox. Email us, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And for those of you listening today via the podcast, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned Feedback Friday. The Dace Group coming up here in just a matter of moments, brought to you by our friends over at Keeps who know that losing your hair sucks. But what you may not know is the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone called DHT. Now let's talk about a possible solution. The FDA has approved two hair treatment products that help control your DHT to prevent hair loss. It's even triggered hair regrowth in a good number of men as well. Now, until now, these products were pretty expensive, but and they also required a doctor visit, but not anymore. Now with Keeps, you can get the generic versions of those two FDA-approved hair care products. And not only now are they 90% effective, but a heck of a lot cheaper as well. All right, so answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you, and then it's shipped discreetly to your door. So if you're tired of losing your hair, go online right now to keeps.com slash grow. Keeps.com slash grow, and they'll throw in for you a free doctor consult, and if you decide to sign up, 50% off of your first order. Half off your first order. I said half off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. It's time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was... There is DC down there in the corner. Are you moving? I moved. You so, moved. Yeah, place. Yes. <laughs> you took time out of a move to talk to us. Yes. Wow. You are course, really dead. What's that? Always for you. Well, you are you are really desperate to not be moving because we should have <laughs> just done a live read. Hey, you know, moving sucks, right? Yes, it does. Well, DC, it is good to see you again there in and amongst uh, the boxes. We'll try to keep it brief, but no promises. Let's get to issue one. Bleep Democrats say. But it's scary for us, too, because if they win... Literally, it could be the end of the world. There are states that have passed laws that will virtually prevent women from having access to reproductive health care. And it is not an exaggeration to say women will die. There are these people in this country. They're good Americans. Otherwise, they'll probably give you the shirt off their back. They'll help you if you need. But they have this fixation. They want to return this country to the white Christian country that they believe it should be again. They don't want the diversity. If someone does not turn in an AR-15 or an AK-47, one of these weapons of war, or or brings out in public and and brandishes it in an attempt to intimidate, as we saw when we were at 
Kent State uh, recently, then that weapon will be taken from them. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl. Um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand, and um, and he spoke. You never thought, this might not look right. You know what? I'm a human. And you know what? Did I make a mistake? Well, maybe in, in, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. But did I make a mistake based upon some unethical lapse? Absolutely not. Did you know women don't have equal rights in the U.S. Constitution? Yeah. Incredible, isn't it? Fully expect my fellow Americans to follow the law. You expect mass shooters to follow the law? Our fellow Americans will follow the law. While animals can have same-sex relationships or pair bonds, um, they don't become uh, homophobic because that's a human uh, uh, problem. But I speak to you as a human being, a woman whose dreams of motherhood now taste bittersweet because of what I know about our children's future. And that our actions are responsible for bringing their most dire possibilities into focus. But let, let's just assume that there's a rancher in Texas that doesn't, that says, I'm not going to do this because this is an unjust law and it's unconstitutional. What's the next step? I think that's what we need to concede because there will be people that don't turn their guns back in. Yeah, I, I think just as in any law, that is not followed uh, or flagrant, flagrantly abused, there, there have to be consequences uh, or, or else there is no respect for, for the law. So, you know, in that case, uh, I think there would be a, a visit by law enforcement to recover that firearm. I entered as one of the poorest men in Congress, left one of the poorest men in government, in Congress, and as vice president. Please support the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. First question, the craziest of the crazy this week was what and why, Todd? I was going to go stick with Steyer right out of the gate, literally the end of the world. But then on just a different measuring stick, Joe Biden there. I mean, his he's just fully willing to say what has he done to his face I, I hate to say this, this point. I, I, I have kept this quiet for weeks i can't anymore what what is he what who told him to do that to his face i don't know i, I mean does he have joaquin phoenix's makeup artist from the joker who who told him i i half expect joe biden at the next democratic debate to op- have his opening uh his opening comments be do you want to see how i how i yeah. got these scars <laughs> I, I mean i just what is he? What has he done? What is he doing to himself? What are out any there? of them doing? <laughs> what are any of them doing? That and let's so hey, let's go I'm to the throw this. Why are any? Why of them, are, yeah, well? Yeah. Let's go to the gay penguins. The, I, why not? A, a couple years. We ago, already made the freaking frogs gay, yeah, and I, now we have gay penguins. A couple years ago, I got about halfway through a book. I think it was called Salem, and it it, it was about the Salem witch trials, and it. I only got halfway through with it because it was so well done. Uh, it, this, this woman, uh, this uh, I think she was a professor of history of some stripe, but it was it was like, you know, you hated The Revenant, Steve, mm-hmm. but it, it was like The Revenant. It, it just, it did not like kind of sum up history. It was just over and over and over again, the examples 
of how they came to believe what was going on in them. It, it, it was it was the deepest dive ever into the journals, all of the... It, it was a remarkable piece of uh, scholarship, and I could only get halfway through it because I, I was beaten dead by it. And this is... Watching these enough, I had this light bulb over my head, These what Aaron puts together. We're in the midst of the modern-day Salem witch trials. The, the stuff that they believe, the stuff that they say, and you cannot believe it, but it happens over and over again because the spirit of the age that Steve's talk about, it is grabbing them one by one by one. And it is just like the, the mob mentality, how we've all learned since we were young, Steve, about the psychology of you. If you're in that group, you'll do something mm-hmm. that you want to do. Well, it's just it's just writ large, and social media has uh, dialed that up to 11. We, we are clearly in the, ex- the, the pagan version of the Salem witch trials right here. And I think that penguin thing, and we have one every week, but that's a perfect example of it. I think the operative word there is pagan. That, that's what this is. That, that's, that's really what we're talking about is what, what did people believe before there was, there, there was a, a Western civilization? What did people believe in this part of the world that looked like this and talked like this, meaning the Western part of the world? What, what, what did they believe before there was enough, an, an ascendancy of, of Judeo-Christian, but in this probably more specifically even a Christian worldview um, in this part of the world. What, what did they believe? It's, all, it's, it's the stuff that we play in these clips all the time. That's really what they believe. This is, these are the things that they, that they would have said um, in, in those belief systems hundreds of years ago. And so pagan to me, I think, is the absolute operative word. DC, what's your favorite uh, piece of crazy this week? I don't know, the actress chick from uh, fictional Veep saying that women don't have equal rights in the Constitution, that's always a fave. You know, when the celebrities come through with their lines of brilliance about what our Constitution says and what our American history is all about. And and also, I have to agree with the rest of you, just the on the conglomeration of fear and destruction, which happens. Because really, anytime anyone in the society now has their feelings hurt or their lack of comfort brought to the fore, they scream destruction and the sky is falling. And it's because everything has to revolve around individual comfort and security now. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we live within the bastion of the motherness. You know, everything has to be love you no matter what, be comfortable no matter what. There's no challenge to objective reality. There's no challenge to responsibility. There's no challenge to personal responsibility to others and social integrity. It's all about personal comfort, personal identity, whatever someone wants to make it be subjective tyranny that we see all across the board and it's just that is the real destruction that's happening not the imaginary destruction of all this fictional (laughs) imaginings that are going on with these people it's really just like you said an abandonment of objective reality of the truth that comes from a a judeo-christian understanding of life and existence and when it just evolves around the individual like this of course you know if you think everything you're being attacked all the time then oh my gosh everything's coming to an end because my agenda my comfort my ideas aren't being honored by every single person on the planet and i'm so offended by everyone all the time well said aaron Yes, and the abandonment of any transcendence notion of reality, of any objective uh, notion of what is true and what is real, with one exception in that clip. And that was at the very end when Ron Reagan from the Freedom From Religion Foundation acknowledges that there is a hell, but he is not afraid to burn in it. 
Uh, so that was probably the most real and true thing in in that uh, in that clip, at, at least as we would see objective reality, because at least they're admitting that there is, uh, you know, a hell at, at that point. I know he means that tongue in cheek, but that is w- when somebody gets up there and says, not afraid of burning in hell. And that's the truest thing in a series of clips from just one week. Maybe you should maybe you should. I don't know, go stare at a wall or stare at a mirror and do some thinking if there is any thinking to do, because that is that's a bad, bad place to be in. And that was probably the the craziest cray cray on the uh, you know crazy train uh, this week was just that ad that aired multiple times during the Democratic debates. And why do you think do you think they would ever maybe we maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to ask this question. Would that ad ever air during a Republican primary debate? At some point, if we continue down this road, it eventually will. Yeah. But the fact that they went there first shows that they know what their target audience is. Right? I mean, they booed God a yeah. few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's, so. it's, it's Karen Tumulty, you know, at the Washington Post, who's a nice lady, by the way. I've met her before. But I just could not resist when she tweeted out, I'm really annoyed every time we do any critical reporting here on Democrats, we are littered with comments from people saying, why aren't you focusing on Trump's problems as if we haven't gone hard after him? You know, I read that and I tweeted back to her, have you considered why there is an expectation level amongst your customers that that's all you will do? Have you considered that? Do you know your own audience? Well, in this case, the, 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 you know, I'm, the not, I'm not afraid of burning in hell crowd knows who their own audience is. I want to go back, and I have touched on this on numerous fronts this week, from Allison Camerata using every argument we would use to push back on gun control to expose the fallacy of what Beto O'Rourke is demanding. I mean, like mass shooters are going to obey gun bans, okay? Um, and I've, I've pointed out that they're so desperate to get him to stop doing this. Because it's such a political loser for them. They're so desperate to get him to stop using this that as a talking point that they're willing to actually reveal the soft underbelly of their own assertions on the issue to try to get him to shut up, just hoping later on they can go back to lying to you again, right? We had that talk. Sure. I wanna I wanna make a third point about this this week. To all of you in the audience, you know, when I first got started in this business on a national level, I had to take just about any opportunity I could to start building relationships, networking, market share, mind share, name ID, etc. And I probably did upwards of, I don't know, 30, 40 appearances on MSNBC during the 2012 election along those lines. And one of the, but there was another reason. You know, and Todd and Aaron can tell you this working with me every day. I usually have about four different reasons why I do just about anything. Okay. The other reason I wanted to do this was I I needed to know. Because, you know, when I got started in this business, and and this is still our number one goal today, I want to use the platform and gifts and abilities God has given me to try to bring a biblical worldview into the back into the mainstream of America again. But I had not had a lot of experience except in Iowa debating people from the other side you know and and when it's people that you kind of hang around with and 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 roll with you're kind of like you're not as intimidated by them you know when you see them in practice every day you know what i'm saying sure but now i'm here i'm sitting at 30 rock or i'm on a sat sat up link and i'm on this big national network and al sharpton's on the panel and people like that and i'm I, i'm like i need to know because i can't come up with any good arguments and i i'd go out of my way to study what other belief systems Belief. It's one of the reasons I'm good at this. And I, I could not come up with any rational conclusions why they believe most of these things. 
But I was afraid of, am I creating a straw man? You know, am I, am I walking right into a trap when I do this? So one of the other reasons why I did so many of these appearances is I needed to know with even moderate pushback, not from a moderate, but at a moderate tone of pushback, do they have some answer to our comebacks I had not considered? And what I learned doing all those appearances that year is the answer is no, they don't. And this is why everybody's automatically a racist, a xenophobe, a misogynist, a homophobe, because that way I don't risk losing an argument to you when you come back at me and I have no counter other than I'm just better than you. And then if you're somehow able to manage to get off a few words to maybe point out their hypocrisy, it's interrupt, interrupt, interrupting yes. cow. Yeah. Now, when I say I'm, they'd have, I'm not talking about people who just might think we ought to have a Medicare program. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real left in America. The deconstructionist, postmodern, we're going to undo Americana left. There is no, there is no, they don't have a logical response. And I, I need you to see that as well in Camerata pushing back on Beta O'Rourke. How many of you have sat there, just regular people working for a living, you're posting your Facebook wall, hey, you know what, if we ban the guns, only out, if we outlaw guns, only outlaws are going to have guns, right? And you might be sitting there with a community college degree, a GED high school diploma. You know, just you didn't go to these higher education centers, all these people that you're arguing with went to. And, and it just seems like it's so obvious to you. You ever thought like, I must be missing something? You're not. And, there, and, and the fact that Allison Camerata just shut Beta O'Rourke down with what has been like the best-selling NRA bumper sticker line of all time shows you, again, there's no there there. It's a cult. There's no critical thinking. It's all group think. When I say cult, I'm not talking about everybody that disagrees with you politically. I'm talking about this, this left that's emerging in America as we speak. The hard left is it's a cult. There is no there there. There is nothing to fear. They have no arguments. That's why they scream and pout and yell. That's why they have tantrums. That's why they have, they're a mobocracy. There is no there there. It's all meant to intimidate you from testing the hypothesis. Do they have really good reasons? Am I missing something? The answer, no. And you saw this from Allison Camerata, of all people, who has uttered some of these exact same dumbass arguments that Beto O'Rourke is using in other forms of gun control. Say the same thing about bump stock bans, AR-15s, whatever the boogeyman is now. Same arguments apply. There aren't any good arguments. There aren't any. I promise you, there are no good arguments. That's why they have to use these mobocracy tactics. Don't be intimidated. Exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T-level and 10 as vigorous as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism, rate this week's level of total depravity. Aaron? 8. DC? Oh, 9. 9. 9. Yeah, it's it's up there, no doubt. Issue 2. You know, there's plenty of room at the inn after all. Among the least surprising things in life, water is wet, politicians enriching their kids, and the Madden curse wreaking havoc, new data from the Pew Research Center might be the least surprising of all. That new data shows Christianity, or at least those who identify as Christians, is in a freefall in the United States. Pew finds that since 2009, there's been a 12% drop in people identifying in Christians in the United States from 77% to 65%. During that same time, the number of those who define themselves as religiously unaffiliated has risen from 17% in 2009 to 26% now. 
That same report finds that those of all religions who attend a church monthly or more has shrunk from 52% in 2009 to 45% now, while those who say they attend church a few times a year or less has risen from 47% to 54% in that same timeline. However, those who still identify as Christians are still as likely to attend monthly or more church services as they were in 2009. The research also shows that millennials are the most likely to be unaffiliated compared to their older generations. It's fascinating the way that the question about church attendance was posed. That's a watered-down question, and now regular church attendance is being considered once a month. All right, we would have called that irregular attendance in polling just five or ten years ago. I happen to know because I've done a lot of polling in my professional career of, of evangelicals. All right, so I mean, this is Pew is trying to is is, is trying to make this as favorable as possible by considering once a month church attendance as regular. All right, but let's get to the first question. Aaron pointed out that a millennials appear to be the first truly secular generation in American history. What are your thoughts on that, DC? I'll start with you. I say yes, not just because of. I mean, there have been morally you know, degenerate generations before. I mean, this 1960s is, comes to mind. Um, but it was more of a moral degeneracy. Uh, as far as now, it is a, our very presuppositions are secular. Uh, the very foundation of what we understand about identity, about individuality, about society, are all secular. It's devoid of any kind of, and bring this back again, that we are always talking about objective reality. That's been rejected uh, whereas before, there was always kind of this outward frame. It was just a matter of how do we engage with it differently. We want more free expression. We mm-hmm. want to have a loosening of the of the bonds. Uh, but there was still some kind of recognition that there was an objective standards, especially as far as our thinking goes. Uh, now it is not that way. We are in full dive abolition of man. And we are in the uh, a war with nature. We're at war with identity because we have exalted subjectivism as our God, the self. And when you remove objective reality, not just objective morality, I'm talking about reality, the very basis and construct of our thinking and of our identity and of human nature, then you have um, no need for anything transcendent, obviously. All there is is what is in front of us. And all there is is just my own reflection of myself and how I want to impose that on everyone else in society. And that, and we have that reinforced now in the schools, in higher education, in politics, in the media, in Hollywood, in music, and in the families. And I have to say this, but it also in the church. The church is more concerned about giving people experiences than introducing them and having a relationship with the transcendent, which enables us to have a relationship with one another and with ourselves as designed by God. We have no sense of purpose from the divine any longer, and the churches are playing into it. Unfortunately, it is 1123. And Can we just I, let I, DC host the rest and, of the show? And I, have, <laughs> I don't have a floating clock. Otherwise, we would just take a break right now yeah. th- rather than any of us speak after that and risk losing any of its impact at all. But unfortunately, gentlemen, we have another six minutes that we must fill now. Uh, after that uh, uh, brilliant dissertation, that was which like, who wants to take a shot at was, following that? Oh. Up? That was like the last four years of this show distilled into like six or like four minutes. Indeed, I don't have to write that book now. Yeah. I have to come up with another idea. Great, 
So who wants to follow I'll go, that? I'm up? inspired. Okay. Uh, yeah, Rod, I'll ride those coattails. The wind beneath my wings, right there. Listen, the the um, something has been accomplished that was not even accomplished uh, via the Civil War, which would have been the end of our country and thus the end of the American Revolution. Uh, but built in to uh, uh, the our founding fathers' dreams was our primordial sin, slavery. So that was going to come to the table. Those chickens were going to come home to roost sooner or later. But it when, came to the table with it, them, it, and they it, just yes. tabled it. Yes. When it, when it finally did, though, people stepped up to bat, and they cleaned up their house. The, something more devastating— Ultimately, in terms of the the end of our union, has truly transpired. It, it's over. The American Revolution was on the cusp of being over, but at the Civil War, it was protected. It, I, our country is dead. If we get America back, it is because we're going to have a second American Revolution, and we're. T- I'm, this is a a slouching towards Gomorrah type thing because of all of our largesse, our oceans, things like that. We are going to be protected as an empire in the way other empires simply have not been short of a, a, a nuclear disaster or something like that. But we can slouch into Gomorrah. Well, when we're dead and gone, all of us and, and our grandchildren are alive, but it's our nation is dead because it's the first one is founded on a creed. And we have rejected that creed wholesale based on the data we're reading here when it came time in the matter of slavery we decided to stand up and fight we're, we're just not fighting we're just we're just okay I, we're just checking our boxes of comfort just like dc said in the church as much as anywhere else it's it's game over Aaron, you've got like 90 seconds go yeah i would say um i i, I would say to the question of millennials being the first secular generation I would actually push back on that. I, I don't think they're the first secular generation. I just think they're the first generation to be honest about it, mm, honest in yeah. the Ron Reagan, um, not afraid to burn in hell type. Of Who's not a millennial? Who is yeah. not a millennial either? Because a lot of these seeds were sown by their parents, and uh, again, a total responsibility uh, type of person here. Everybody is responsible for their own actions as well. But as far as the older generations go, who actually brought up these millennials. There's a lot of blame there as well, even though they might have been saying, uh, identifying with, this is the distinction that I I drew at the beginning of that piece, Um, Christianity might not be declining in America so much as those uh, merely who, who who just identify as Christians. That's that's the thing. That's and another so, good way of putting it. Too. And so yeah. I, and so I, I again I just think it is a case of people just being more honest. Yeah, I I'm, I don't identify with this at all. By the way, Ron Reagan is sixty junior is sixty one years old. He is a baby boomer actually, and that's that is the generation where this chasm opened up is in that generation right there. Um, let's get to the exit question. If the future of America based on these trend lines were a Pink Floyd song. Which Pink Floyd song would they be? A, Wish You Were Here, as in, On Its Way Out. B, Shine On, You Crazy Diamond, as in, this can continue uh, into into perpetuity, because maybe some of the things Todd said, for example. Or C, Us and Them, where you will will continue to see, I don't think it's polarization, as I've said many times in the show, the balkanization of America where we essentially are an American form of a Yugoslavia, whole cloth, different cultures under one flag. Which of those do you think it is? Aaron. Let's see. DC. I have to go with wish you were here. 
mainly because of the line, a walk-on part in the war with a leading role in the cage. I mean, that's what our society is. I have to go with the, the lyrics on that one. Yeah, that's one of the best one of the best rock lyrics I think that was ever written is the one that you're citing there. What do you think? Well, to keep this entirely schizophrenic, I'll go with B because so we've said all see, of them. See, I now. think you could make a case for each yeah. and every yeah. one of these. And, and I think it is, I think it's possible that it goes through a progression here. Okay? That, and maybe we've already gone past the wish you were here. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? You know, we're, you're past conserving a republic. You have to restore one. That's mm. essentially what you're saying, yeah. right? So we've, maybe we've gone, the first step is wish you were here. And then the second step is we're in that shine on you crazy diamond stage now where we kind of know something is fundamentally wrong here. But we just cannot envision a time when things would not just continue because of the oceans that we have protecting us, the amount of uh, money that, uh, and prosperity that we have in the country, right? Mm-hmm. People in Jeremiah's day kind of thought the same exact thing, by the way. And then you move on to the, to the, the, the third stage is C, which is eventually folks that don't want to live by the, by the old magic just stop covering that up and lying about it anymore and let the freak flag fly and the folks that still do are like hey wait a minute here we're not signing up for this and you just see a continually balkanized people the real fascinating thing is then if that's right i think we're at stage c here that we've done the other two stages we're, we're doing stage c the real fascinating thing is is what's d comfortably numb yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice We'll come back. uh, More of the Dace Group Roundtable here on Blaze TV radio and podcast in a moment. Hey, if you're wondering why you might be struggling to meet some of your weight loss goals, it can be a struggle to learn how to control your appetite because willpower only takes you so far. Your body was made to crave and conserve calories. I mean, it's only been, you know, in the recent uh, century and a half or so that food was readily available to mass populations, uh, not just in the West, but anywhere on Earth. And, and that's why your body is made to crave and conserve calories. All right. So what do you do then when you got to cut those calories back? Exercise is great, but and that helps your metabolic rate, but that's about 40% maybe of the total formula. It still really comes down to not even what you're eating, but how much, okay? Now, there's some common sense in there. If you're trying to stay under 2,500 calories and 2,300 or potato chips, okay, then it is what you're eating, all right? Can I mean, do I have to say things like that? Yes, all right. but for the most part, common sense aside, it's really how much you're eating and not what okay and that's where riduzone comes in because your creator did put a molecule in your body that sends a signal from the belly to the brain to let the brain know when you're full it's called oea but it's like uh, you know your muscles when you when you let them go for so long and you were sedentary for too long and then you try to get active again and the muscle memory there is gone you got to start over from scratch same thing happens when you just ran over that oea signal so many times in your life and kept eating it's like that speed bump you don't uh, you don't nobody listens to it just gets leveled off on the pavement you don't even look at it after a while that's where riduzone comes in it wants to boost your oea by just putting more oea in your body that's all that it is it's not loaded with chemicals stimulants caffeine additives preservatives that's why it's fda accepted vegan friendly gluten free oea that's all that it is give it a shot right now try it for three months the reason why we're suggesting three months because it takes about 90 days to hardwire 
behavioral changes into your uh, subconscious, okay? So try it for three months and see if this might be the missing link in getting your cravings and portion sizes under control. And we'll give it to you at 30% off for three months when you use my name, Steve, as a promo code. Promo code Steve at RidUZone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. That's RidUZone.com. Promo code Steve. All right, let's get back to the day group roundtable. Let's get to issue three, the end of masculinity and the birth of pronoun day. Apparently, Gentlemen's Quarterly has renamed itself to Gender Queer. What we're watching is a promotional video for GQ's so-called New Masculinity Issue, which seeks to explore identity, culture, and style in the year 2019. Couple that with this week's Pronoun Day, and, well, this town needs some testosterone. My pronouns are personally very important to me. Um, Growing up, you know, enculturated into kind of a system that really subscribes to toxic masculinity, I was always uncomfortable with being called dude, you know, what's up man. Um, I was so bad at dapping people up, like, you know, how like guys like do that whole like, like that thing. I was so bad at that and it just like, I felt very alienated every time someone would do that to me. Issue one. I'm sorry, first question. I, I you want I, to do issue one again. I just I, yeah, like that, DC needs a shower. She that feels was just a, sick. That was a Freudian. <laughs> it, it, it was a Freudian slip because it felt like we just redid this all over again under a new under a new leaf. Um, is the end of masculinity and the birth of pronoun day tied to one another, or did one cause the other? Aaron. Yes. Uh, this this is this is part and parcel, and this is the, this is in many parts. Um, our last issue as well that we talked about, the decline of, or maybe let's call it the increase of honesty uh, amongst the younger generations about what they don't believe in or don't identify in. Because when you, when you start to chip away at the transcendent truth, objective reality that we talked about and hit on a little bit in that last segment, when you start to chip away at that, you're really chipping away at any semblance of sanity whatsoever. Case in point, 2004, was it, I believe? Uh, was it Massachusetts, first state to legalize... Yep, Goodridge was uh, in Massachusetts in 04. Gay, yep. so-called gay marriage. 2004, we heard all those innocent arguments. What, uh, what is my marriage? How is my marriage going to impact yours? How does what I do in the bedroom affect you? Just this morning, we had a story from Newsbusters about gay LGBT serial. Now, Todd, I understand... Uh, you just said during the break that what the serial is, it's, uh, I'm, let me repeat that in case you misheard me. It is LGBTQ, I, I don't know how many, uh, how many letters there are in the alphabet soup. As now. many as it takes. As many as it takes. LGBT serial, Cer- like cereal you eat in the morning. Start your, ga- you start from your day. From Kellogg's, right? Yeah, from Kellogg's. Start your day the gay way. I, I, this, this is what we're talking about here. All right, how does, how does what I do in the bedroom affect you? 2019, eat the damn rainbow cereal, you bigot. That's, where we're, that's what we're talking about. So to wrap all of this up, it is definitely a, a slow fade casting crowns uh, into, into the madness. Because once you start chipping away, you know, uh, you know, marriage can be anything. What you said and what you've made many, the point you've made many times is that it really was never about marriage. It was about undefining gender, yep. undef- undefining sex. And when you start to undefine something, 
that is so intrinsic to your identity, you start to come up with Pharrell wearing a sleeping bag on the front page of GQ, looking like uh, looking like a moron, uh, and saying, "This is fashion now. This is the new masculinity." It is definitely part and parcel, and they are definitely related to one another. And one doesn't necessarily supersede the other, but as you've seen in our culture, this slow chip away at any objective nature, uh, any objective truth, transcendence, reality, that's what you get. You get pronoun day, you get Pharrell Williams looking like an idiot on the front page of GQ. Yeah, I I think we're going to see Pharrell, he's going to be doing the color with Caesar Flickerman at the next Hunger Games, do you think? Yep. Uh, What is the cereal, by the way? Do we know what it is? Doing like what yeah, is what, comprised yeah, what, of? Yeah, yeah, what is it comprised I, of? Yeah, I be, if I, I didn't read about it, but I just looked. I, I think it's just a bunch of their cereals thrown together. Honestly, I think they because that's the thing we. First of all, oh, that kind of that, that actually sounds kind of good depending stop. on which ones they are. If you pumpkin spice this, I will come over <laughs> there. I swear to God. Todd, your thoughts. Cut me on a very thin thread. I don't even know where we... Oh, oh yes. Well, it's kind of a both-and. But if it is causal, it's definitely uh, the end of masculinity. And this is as much observation... I I mean, we can do this theoretically, I think. uh, But observationally, at at least in my life, the degree to which you just won't see men be men, dad be dads, and we don't have to go all the way to the, the Pharrell gay serial side of things. They just won't lead. They, they they simply constantly take the drivel and I, you know we can't we can't rock the boat we got to be nice and I I'm I've not wired that way talk about you know, spiritual gifts curses whatever but I I'm I'm st- I've looked at all the time as the guy who just well, well no I can't and I won't and thank God for that it's it you you've let it get this stupid because on the basic things you just you just let it go. And it's remarkable to see the differences here. Like I have, I'm a father of four daughters and I, I, I'm, I'm seeing, I don't, my oldest is not a old girl anymore. She is a young woman. She's about to be uh, 16 and all those differences I believe in. I'm now seeing ex- experientially that, which you did, mm-hmm. you know, when that happened, Still and doing. that, that yeah. actually leads to some frustrations for me as a dad, because that now I see the future where I have to let her go uh and for for good reasons but you you just see men simply refusing in the fundamentals of life to be men to not lead to be run over by circumstances so it's absolutely causal see i don't i don't i don't even think there's any such thing as toxic masculinity of course and I, i grew up with a bully dad okay so i grew up with somebody who would have fit the exact example but masculinity in and of itself cannot be toxic it's just not possible. Anybody that was acting in a way that was that that was toxic to you or for you is it, that's that's not masculinity. Masculinity begins with husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. Mask your willingness to lay down your life for them. Fathers do not exasperate your children. Um, love knows no greater man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. All right, those are the intrinsically um, fundamentals of masculinity. In and of itself, it cannot be toxic. When we operate, if a, if somebody 
somebody, if a being with a penis operates outside of those fundamentals, it is not toxic masculinity. It's just toxic. And that's, and the fact that we even are utilizing that phrase helps, so it helps just inject into the ether the deconstructionism that this new paganism that we keep calling, you know, by other political labels when it's far more than that, we're helping it accomplish its goals by even utilizing any of its terms on any level whatsoever. DC, you get the last word here. Go ahead. I think taking it back a little step further, as far as the cause is the attack on the image of God and human, human, humankind. And it began, we see the unfolding of that in American culture with feminism, which really was an attack on femininity. Um, because the early feminists, besides those who wanted equal rights, really wanted to be more in the man's world. It became a, a movement of women becoming more like men, uh, you know, in, in the way they express themselves sexually, professionally, and we can see it in different ways. Uh, that experiment failed. Because as women who are designed to be women tried to become more manlike, they failed. And they failed to be it by nature. But they also failed in the competition with men. And when they put themselves up toe-to-toe with men expecting equal outcomes, they didn't get it because we're not the same. Mm -hmm. And so the experiment of feminism to become more like a man, they won't put it that way, but to be equal, to be the same as a man, using men as the standard, that failure has now led to a need for uh, men to no longer be men. Men. And this is true for feminism, and it's true for men who are feminine. The, uh, the In other uh, words, LGBT since I can't crowd. become more like you, you need to become more like me. Is that you what you're saying? become more like me, exactly. Yeah. And so that's what we're seeing, this, this phase we now have, is that the attack on masculinity is a failure of feminism to be to exalt itself into the, the masculine sphere. So now men must be pulled down. It's also part of the Marxist struggle of, of the elite and the power and the struggle between groups. But we really see this as far as an attack on the, on the image of God in man and in human human beings and men and women um, because we are made masculine and feminine in the image of God and but we have rejected that objective reality we have objected that rejected that identity we have uh, rejected that design and now we are left with whatever we it's a will to power now mm-hmm. and so um, so now we have to strip men of their masculinity. And it's also an attack on authority because God's image in us is, is given to us in different ways. Feminine has its own way. Masculinity really shows the authority and power of, of God in humanity. And it's where we learn um, responsibility and out, outward responsibility and social responsibility. And you know, in a society that doesn't want to take responsibility, we want to hover back into the mother's womb and not have anything to do with that, that masculinity. Masculinity, and we don't like that authority, and so we want to tear it down at every turn. And we do it in the name of personal expression and individual authenticity. And so we exalt the individual's own preferences and feelings above nature and above God's design. Very well said. Exit question. If the future of masculinity in America were a Pink Floyd song, which Pink Floyd song would it be? A, Wish You Were Here, B, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, or C, us and them, meaning kind of depends on which part of America you go to. Todd, we think it is. Us and them. DC? Us and them. Aaron? C. It's a war. Yeah, I agree. I think, it, And I think we're at that point already right now. Issue four. Bow to your sensei. Always wanted to say that. LeBron James thinks you ain't educated if you support Hong Kong. I want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl. Um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand, and, um, and he spoke. And 
uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed. Later in the week, he changed his tune and apparently decided to shut up and dribble. I feel like I talked about it yesterday. Uh, I tweeted out a couple of responses to people not understanding, you know, my knowledge of where it came from, from my brain and, and, and for me learning from the situation. I'm talking about it now and uh, I, I won't talk about it again um, because I'll be cheating my teammates by continuing to harp on something that won't benefit us, uh, you know, trying to win a championship because that's what we're here for. So here's the question. What does China need to offer each of us in order to beclown ourselves in public as complete and total a-holes the way that LeBron James did for his Chinese overlords? Can we, dare we say owners, since this is the NBA and they don't like the term? Uh, the way that uh, LeBron James uh, did for his uh, Chinese owners this week. What's your buy price, Aaron? Retroactively get rid of uh, Madden, uh, especially ending with last year, and uh, and replace it with NCAA football. Uh, I will forever be uh, loyal to Chairman uh, Xi. Xi, yeah. yeah. And uh, I I love uh, the, the the Great People's Republic of China. Now, they're probably making the game anyway, right? Let's just be honest about that. Yeah, that's true. Now, that's probably a yeah, that's probably a possible request that could be honored. You guys, see, here's, I told you this during the break. Don, it's not just the Madden curse, but then you sign Matt Moore. All right. I can't do this. Okay. Can't do this, right? Matt Moore's job is to take over for some injured star quarterback around mid-October. That's what he does every year. He's like the Michael Myers of the NFL quarterbacks. He is on, if Matt Moore is on your team around Halloween, your starting quarterback's getting hurt, and he'll be taking over. That happens every year. And so when you guys double down on ignoring the Madden curse and sign Matt Moore on top of that, fate was just like, you got to recognize you cannot disrespect us like that. And that's why last night occurred. Scoreboard okay. 30 to 6. Um, what, what, funny, what's, what's your buy price, Todd? The funny thing is, when we came in on Tuesday, we were told, do not talk about the Lions, Aaron. And I was like, eat it, Aaron! Eat it! I, I, my he own, didn't tell I, me not to talk about I, it. it. I wouldn't my, have brought it up. It was my own fault, too. Yeah. And he probably would not have brought it up. <laughs> yep. I did bring it up to him while you were out. Hey, Todd, your buy here. price. Uh, free steak and IPA beer while I get to watch all of my sports in perpetuity without instant replay. Okay, what's your buy price, DC? Um, a platform where I can speak truths and not be deplatformed. Oh, that's a well, which is our commentary price. right there. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to wait, follow. I'm got I've got a Jesus. You can come over the top on that. Lions win the Super Bowl. That that's my buy price. All right, that's my buy price. All right, she's over here with some like high minded notions, and we're just you know with these. Maybe toxic masculinity does exist after all. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, go. Chiefs will go 4-1 and one in the next five games, and I really do believe that. DC, go. The Panthers are going to wake up to the fact that Cam Newton is no longer Cam Newton. By the way, where was Matt Moore last year? Carolina Panthers, what happened? 6-2. and two. Late October, Cam Newton hurt. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. By the way, Kyle Allen, first NFL quarterback ever to start 5-0 and without throwing an interception. Like, no one's ever done that. Like, none of the all-time greats did that. So, maybe she's on to something. What do you think, Todd? Tulsi Gabbard will get more Republican votes than John Kasich. <laughs> uh, the only people that care she's about Tulsi friend. Gabbard running for president are conservative media, by the way. In fact, they, her people asked me if, if she, we could have her on. I said, sure, why not? Yeah, Sure. 
Um, there will be national name and likeness legislation for college athletes, national legislation, that will be signed into law by President Trump by July 1st of next year. Why did I choose that date? Because June 30th is the end of the fiscal year. All right, and that's the end of the uh, the academic calendar year for the NCAA as well. From your lips to Allah's ears. Okay, so I, by th- this will happen by July 1st of next year. The President of the United States will sign national name and likeness legislation pertaining to college uh, amateur athletes by July 1st of next year. And I think it will take effect immediately. I'll throw that in as well. Okay. In fact, I think it could very well be other than when they kick the can on the budget stuff so they can go back to their fake impeachment fights. Uh, I think it could very well be other than that. The only bipartisan piece of legislation that we will see signed into law between now and the 2020 election. Capitalism. Well, which will just highlight what an unserious people we are. (laughs) Well, there's that too. Right. DC, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us here. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's great. You bet. Hey, uh, we've got Feedback Friday coming your way. And we've got one of our listeners who who lives in Delaware who wants to fact check Joe Biden's claim that he left as one of the poorest members of Congress. We're going to get to that and more of your notes here on Feedback Friday in hour two. Stay tuned. Greetings. Welcome to Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erz, and Aaron McIntyre here with me as well. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review at the podcast platform of your choice, we would be very grateful for you to do so because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms like us and help us find even more people like you. And then the more likely we are to get to continue doing this for a living because frankly, maybe Aaron, uh, who can build... uh, uh, in tables with his bare hands but but todd and i are totally doomed if we can't do this totally doomed all right so you really can't get paid watching your your girls play soccer or cross country so it's it's kind of this or nothing folks so look at us as your personal subsidy thank you to the thousands of you that have left us those five-star reviews you might be thinking i don't like the show well first of all why listen i mean i I don't get that You, you understand that that's like the greatest gift you could give me is to is to donate to my bottom line while hating me at the same time. I, I mean, I, do something else with your life. You used to do that okay? with Planned Parenthood, didn't you? Yes. Back in your WHO days? I, I did, yes. Now, if you kind of like us, embellish more. We would. I think we all are in favor of that, okay? Is there a commandment against embellishment? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe it's implied Second somewhere. Second hesitations. Yeah, but, but embellish all the more. So if you think it's really a three-star show, I don't know. I'm bumping up a couple of stars. No one's going to know but us. Okay. So thank you to the thousands of you that have already left us those five-star reviews. We're going to get to some of your feedback at the stevedace.com inbox here in just a couple of minutes with some feedback Friday to close it out here for the week. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can send in your feedback via the email. Try liking us on Facebook, but good luck with that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Feedback Friday brought to you by our friends over at Swiss America who, listen, they, you're right to want to look for ways to immune, immunize yourself from, uh, and your retirement and your savings and your wealth 
and your finances from trade wars, currency wars, biased media trying to provoke a recession so they get the election outcome that they want next time. Uh, you work too hard to put your money in the hands of scheming politicians and fake news. So yes, it's it's smart to look for unconventional ways to insulate yourself, but why not go with the option that has proven itself time and time again since the beginning of time? And I'm talking about the golden rule here. Whoever has the gold rules from the beginning, gold is where smart and successful people have put their money to protect themselves from the schemes of bureaucrats and politicians. And so listen, I get why you're looking at alternative currency. It's because you're informed, you're independent, and you're nobody's sheeple. But instead of gambling on untested cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin or things of that nature, uh, go with what has proven to be the long-term solution to corrupt, ineffective government for centuries. And that's that's gold. Call the most trusted name in gold right now. Our friends at Swiss America, toll free at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. And ask for the timeless truth about gold report and DVD. Both are free. Both are free at 800-289-2646. Or you can go to their website, SwissAmerica.com. Again, that's SwissAmerica.com. So a couple of recent additions here on Feedback Friday, but they tie into conversations we just had. And, and I think their points our audience needs to hear. And my fear is if I put them at the back of the line and they go two or three weeks, they'll kind of miss the, the timing. So I'm going to let them jump the line here because we just talked about these points, okay? Uh, this is from Tracy who's from Delaware. And, and you, Aaron, you had the clip in uh, Bleep Democrats say of Joe Biden claiming he was the poorest member of Congress, Yep. right? Uh, and she says, hey, I just saw that clip. I guess he was relatively speaking because he bought and lived on an estate in Greenville, Delaware. That's the wealthiest or second wealthiest county in our state. He and Jill did not buy that on a senator's and community college professor's salary. If you look at the values there, it's just not possible. So I wanted to send those uh, thoughts from Tracy, who lives in Delaware, along. And keep in mind, you know, America's first avowed socialist member of the U.S. Senate, Bernie Sanders, own, is a multimillionaire and he owns three homes. See, that's, that's what I was about <laughs> to say. Um, I think it's, pro it's fairly likely that maybe Bernie Sanders had some, I don't know, stacks of cash uh, just lying around saying, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, here you go. Buy this lakefront home. Uh, it's it's probably most likely that, that that happened. And so it's just... He's subleasing it? Subleasing. Yes. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Then this from Tommy who says, hey, why shouldn't guys return the favor, basically, <clears throat> on toxic masculinity and introduce the term toxic femininity? Well, I would say the same thing about toxic, toxic femininity that I said about toxic masculinity. It doesn't exist. It, it, it doesn't exist. Um, to me, the ultimate portrayal of femininity is, what, femininity is what you see in Proverbs 31. Like I cited several biblical examples of masculinity. I would cite Proverbs 31 as the preeminent, not, not, not only, but the preeminent example of femininity uh, according to uh, the vantage point of your creator. What in there would be toxic? Answer nothing. So if, if you have someone who has female parts and is acting outside of um, her divinely given feminine uh, fundamentals, that's not toxic femininity. It's just toxic. I, I don't want to co-opt any of their terminology, okay? Yeah. I want to crush it. I want to defeat it. I don't think turnabout is fair play wins this. 
I think I think fighting lies with lies and distortions with distortions and demagoguery with demagoguery. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Zero times zero, gentlemen. What is it? Zero. 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 So if you fight demagoguery with demagoguery, what do we get more of? Demagoguery. If we fight lies with lies, what do we get more of? Lies. If we fight more distortions with distortions, what do we get more of? Distortions. Who wants demagoguery, lies, and distortions? Who's the who's, who's who's built battle plan is that? The, the other teams. Okay? It, it, let me use a football analogy. All right? Because I love them. Um, you go up against Tua and those wide receivers at Alabama. And you, you, you might think to yourself, I've got to score some points. And you do. But you have to understand, though, you have to manage the game in a way that doesn't play right into their hands. Are you more likely going to beat two attack of Iowa and those Alabama wide receivers, 35-31 or 52-48? What do you guys think? It's 35-31, okay? Because if you guys are going, because if it's 52-48, does that mean you're facing two or more times or less? More. more. All right? And the more times you put him on the field with the ball, how is he, is he less or more likely to defeat you? More. More. So I want to. I, I do have to score some points, right? And I might maybe I get a once in a century historic defensive effort, you know, and I beat them seventeen sixteen. How likely is that, though? I just well, I just said it was once a century, so not likely, all right? So I do need to score some points. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag him down into the twenties with me, but if I try to go up and down the field with him, I'm not going to win. He's going to beat me. I can't beat him at that pace, right? So I've got to manage the game in a way that I can win it, all right. And that goes here for the arena of ideas as well. We have got to frame the cultural battlefield in a way, any general does this before they send their troops out. How do we frame the battlefield that gives our side the best chance of winning? Do we have the, in the end, who, if, by advancing their tactics and their artillery, are you less or more likely to win a battle? Less. You want to advance yours. You want to cut off their supply lines, not not have their supply lines yours. And I and and this is something that's really difficult to get on the right these days. And I'm not really sure why. Do you guys have a theory? I mean, how many times have we had this conversation in what, recent years? What is the attract? I forget the clicky stuff that our media, our industry wants to clicks. Okay, but why the average? person in our movement is struggling with this idea that we should we should fight acid rain with acid rain why is this an issue it's a bastardization of one of your first rules and rules for patriots reject your opponent's premise uh or or reverse your opponent's premise use it against them i'm botching that this is not this is not using your opponent's premise. This is adopting it. Yes. There's, there's there's a difference there. And let's give let's give maximum benefit of the doubt to people who like to do this. But there are people out there. Some of us uh, know them better than others who are totally down to clown with Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, like the the, the real ones. Yep. Um, that is. I have friends uh, of you, mine that think that are like this, I, and I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah I know who you're talking about. And that is, we have to we have to recognize using or reversing the premise, using again against your pro, uh, your opponent, is different than adopting your opponent's uh, tactics and then trying to use it against them. Right. So I, I want to 
as a rhetorical device, our emailer, uh, let's give him the benefit of the, of the doubt as well. And that's probably what he was trying to do there, right? Yeah. yeah. So as a rhetorical uh, device, uh, let's, let's say that you just say, okay, well, let's do toxic femininity then. Now, that might be... Uh, Somewhat that that might work somewhat. Like in a debate, you look a, at him snotty and say, "Hey, yeah. what are your views on toxic, toxic femininity? femininity?" Okay, yeah. all right, that's something fine. like that. Yes. But that's not really what what's most effective, though, as a rhetorical advi- uh, device is rejecting the premise completely, which is what you just explained how to do. Yes. That, so. By the way, Matt Moore was not on the Carolina Panthers last year, according to Brian, <laughs> who's a Panthers fan. <laughs> Matt Moore's twin, Matt Moore's twin brother, Derek Anderson. So there's two of them. Right. MRI if, if, came if, back. If you sign Matt Moore or Derek Anderson, your starting quarterback is getting hurt. I promise. MRI came back. Uh, very little ligament damage, if any. Brief, why, why? Brief absence. I, I, I have to ask this, okay? Because I, you know, I just can't take dumb. Even if I'm not emotionally invested in the outcome of anything, I, I cannot, I can't abide dumb. Tell me why you have the best tight end in in the solar system and it's a short yarded situation you have like six running backs and your franchise guys out there with a bad wheel what are you out there running a quarterback snake for why are you running him into a line like that why are you what what, what was that yeah fundamentals well you have to understand two things fundamentals of football in a short yarded situation by far what is the what is by far the most effective play that you can run quarterback sneak is yes okay so that's one Two, this was not uh, an ankle thing. This was just a f- Madden curse, a freak injury. And, you, so I, and get, I need my coach I'm, to be aware of that. Now, don't put him in that situation then, man. Just, how, how, how he is much more likely to get injured dropping back to pass on any given play that he drops back to pass. But at least pass. that's, you're doing what you, that, you're doing, you're having him getting hurt in that situation, doing what he's uniquely gifted to do, Okay. Wait, wait, wasting him on a quarterback sneak is a it, it, that's not what he's uniquely it's, gifted it's to do. It's so easy to look back and say that, and I get I, I get football. it as well. It's just it, it it's, happens. It's dumb football. It happens in foot. No, it's really not, Steve. Yes, it I, is. He's got a so bad ankle out just, there. He's you, got a bad wheel, and I'm going to run him into a line. Why would I do that? He's got like every other play. Every other play he does is more likely to get injured than that one. But in yeah. all those other plays, it is for it is for the um, for the highlighting and utilization of his primary skill set that sets him apart from everybody else. I don't really get what you're saying. I, you, I mean, I do kind you of. You don't really but, get that that Pat Mahomes is is more valuable to you throwing the ball 35 times than running one damn quarterback sneak. But, you don't get that. But I don't understand why there's why there is a a problem with doing a play that has a very, very, very low bum ankle or not probability of getting you injured on. How many times during a course of a given? Well, we season don't know because most coaches, with, most coaches with injured, mo- most coaches with their sneak. franchise player. Think, think, think Tom it's Brady. Just a freak thing. Think if Tom Brady had a bad ankle, they'd be out there running quarterback sneaks. Probably. I no way. No, because no Bill Belichick understands that the not to most run a quarterback with a quarterback. How many the most successful wins short does Bill Belichick play have compared to Andy Reid? Quarterback sneak. Lots. No. Aaron Rodgers with a bad wheel out there running a quarterback sneak, you think? If nothing happened. Yeah, maybe. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't, guys. Come on. We just saw it. We just saw it did happen. He doesn't have a bad wheel right now. He's not hurt right now. No, but you're hypothetical. They would do it if the situation called for it. The reason why you guys can't point to answers and specifics is they wouldn't do it. No, that's not true. No, 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 no. You're imagining something and saying that that's reality. This happens. Yes, this happens literally. I mean, everybody... 
everybody is injured at some point. Every quarterback has some sort of bum thing every now and again. Let me ask you this. If that play had never, if, if that injury, I should say, had never happened last night, and Patrick Mahomes is literally feels so good, he runs back I-70 to Kansas City, and he still did the quarterback sneak even with his bum ankle, would you be as this vociferously defending, or uh, 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 I don't know, uh, knocking the play call? No. It's because he's got a bad ankle. I'm not running a quarterback sneak. You get into a pile, people start turning ankles, and that's why you don't do it. This, it's not his because, bum ankle has nothing to do with the injury he actually yeah. got. Really? Yes, really. Okay. He dislocated a, his patella. Do you think? Do you think if you have a firm planing of your foot, you're more or less likely to dislocate I, this, your okay, kneecap? You're, you're shifting the conversation you, you, now. You're just I'm guessing. Not, you guys brought that up. You're just, I'm responding you're, to your question. Now you're guessing. You're the one that brought up it didn't have anything to do with his injury. You don't think having a bum ankle has more or less to do with whether you're do you at know higher that? risk of other? Yeah. No, you it's don't. It's simple science. Have, no, it's not. When you have but one injury, you're more risk of getting other. You're saying this is science. Nothing to do with last night's play at all. No, Todd. Todd, this is not scientific. You think you think a soccer player player who's out there with a sprained ankle you don't think they're at you higher know risk that's for, what happened here you, you don't right. think they're at higher risk for in, for for injury other injuries in the exact same extremity area in the lower body you don't think that there's more planting issues they're at higher risk because of the lack of stability in the ankle you really don't believe that do you really are you certain in any way that this injury had anything that's to do not with what i asked you in no, no, general no, you, because you, you don't me, want to talk about what no, really happened Todd, you asked and i wasn't me, even part of this Todd, then why, did you, why are you yelling at me you asked me a hypothetical question. I responded hypothetically. Of course, you're at greater risk of an injury no, in that area when you're already injured. That is common sense. You're, when, you, you're, you're, when you're already injured in that area, you're more at greater risk of being further injured. That's Because you have an injured ankle, you are not inherently at greater risk of dislocating your patella. You don't think... I'm, get, I'm being specific to what happened. Okay. I'm not going to yeah, let I, this I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't. I think absolutely you're at greater risk of, of, of further injuries to other extremities in that lower extremity when your lower ext- when your lower extremities is already hurt. Absolutely, I think. So you then are. spell oh, you out have to how, be as, as he took the snap and was lunging forward, how a sprained left ankle resulted him being able to dislocate his patella. Explain how that happens. Because the, the it, guys, are you really asking me this? Yes. Yes. Really? That you don't think you when when something is sprained. That means it's injured. I just well, 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 I'm asking. I'm answering your question. All right. <laughs> Goodness, let me answer it. When something is sprained, something is injured. When something is injured and that part of the body is still being utilized, what will the rest of the body then have to do to compensate for the injury? See, it will I have to compensate for the injury. I can't. Does that is, does does that put more or less strain on the rest of the body? This, you, you are being preposterously general. How about this? I, I can't literally answered every single question you. you guys have asked me. How about me? we just let football be football and men be men? You, he just did a quarterback I, sneak I, and he I got literally hurt. Just, I you answered, lectured somebody last week. I answered week. every single question no, you guys asked me. But that's, this is one. just a guy playing football and he got hurt. That's all it is. That's, You're overanalyzing this to death. Yeah. He okay. just Now that might be, that, that could be a valid criticism. Has nothing to do with the validity of my claim, but it could be a valid it was criticism. Preposterously general. It, it, well, okay. here's here's the problem, though. What it's you preposterous just said to assume when is, you're already injured that you're not false, at risk though. for further did injury. You, did you see what in, actually happened to he, him? Yeah, I watched the play got, live. Okay, it wasn't yeah. because he was trying to overcompensate on his right. He just got laid down on. 
basically. That's what I saw anyway. So I'm not sure how somebody else laying down or not uh, uh, somebody else stepping on his knee is so we're back to Mahomes. the original point. Why take a guy with a bum ankle and run him into this a is, line in a pile? This is the it instant is, the, the original point that I actually made. You just zero, affirmed it. 0.01% chance of what happened happening. And that's exactly why almost any other coach would not put a player of that magnitude that in that false. kind of a situation. That is false. It's that's not false. This was just Simple common call. sense. If, in if, what situation? If he hadn't gotten injured if he hadn't gotten it's not a dangerous situation. on that play, you would not be saying this all of Todd wants to say it's not a dangerous situation. He's hurt. Okay, whatever. Him being, oh, it's I've literally football. answered every question you've, you guys have posed. I've no, answered haven't. them all. No, you haven't. Aaron no, you responded haven't. by going back to my original <laughs> You put up straw men. Yeah. This is football. Every time he drops back in the pocket, every time he rolls out, he's more likely to do something. And yes, yeah. on the ankle that is injured, it's more likely to get injured. It's he's not more likely I've to get a con- out. He's I've not already- more likely to get a concussion because I've he has a sprained out, ankle. Rolling out is not the same as a quarterback sneak. That's his primary okay, role just, as the quarterback of the team. I've already hit, pointed that hit, out. Let's, let's look at you've this. got other. You, you can't okay, have your running let's, backs roll out. Let's, let's you just, can't have a running back run six inches for a touchdown. What's the uh, what? What is the uh, uh, what is the, the the philosophical term when you break down an argument? Uh, if A, then B, B, uh, A, therefore B. Uh, what is that called? It's called you know what I'm going to do to you guys what I do to my wife in these situations. I, I, I just want this to end, and you're right. Okay, let's okay. let's establish. You're right. You're right. No, you win. Establish some. You win. You win. You won. You won. I, I'm out. You guys win. See, I was I just, just about to with. break this down philosophically, and he's tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we. Sp- I like this ship. It's exciting. Hello, is there anybody out there still listening? I think we freaking spent ten minutes on this. Goodness. Was, oh, I'm was, glad it's not a contract year. It was freeing. No politics for a second. Just kind of some. Shots to the jaw, it's great. Carl Clark is listening to us down in Houston. He says, you guys have stated the culture needs cartilage, those common events, pursuits to be enjoyed by all. To keep away from the bone-on-bone of constant political tribal arguments and sports has been one of, (laughs) (laughs) poor timing on reading this note, There it is. if not the greatest means of cultural cartilage within the United States, now within a month of each other, two events have taken place uniting very disparate parties and both have found themselves rooted in sports. First, the viral story of Carson King and the cancel culture backlash that went even more viral and now the censorship exhibited by the nba and the backlash that managed to bring together the likes of ocasio cortez and ted cruz to speak out against it is this a sign the culture is rallying behind sport as cartilage is this the populace to the elite gandalf moment you shall not pass love the show and any chance you guys get to meld cartilage sports with bone politics i'm all for although he sent this to us well before he was forced to listen to the last 10 minutes of a syllogism on uh, quarterback snakes, okay? Um, yes and no would be my answer to your question, Carl. I think that um, this created a unique set. The China situation created a unique set of ideological alums here with the likes of Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz. I think the cancel culture one has far more long-term potential benefits because I th- I think that there's... a if you wanted to know who's still invested in common sense in America, that one, 
I think was a truly transcendent issue because the reasons that Ted Cruz and Ocasio-Cortez are on the same side as the NBA and China are, are not reconcilable when you get beyond this particular issue. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that they, they find themselves on the same side on this issue, but from vastly different premises. And so when you get beyond this issue, that premise is going to fall apart when you get beyond this circumstance. On the other hand, the reason that people of disparate uh, beliefs and factions were with Carson King and against cancel culture, I think that does have the ability to outlast this particular issue into other similar situations. Um, I mean, you can build a coalition around this. I mean, we just played this clip in the commercial break of Glenn Beck talking, comparing Dave Chappelle to Lenny Bruce, a comedian from 50 years ago, for example. This is kind of what we're talking about. In another era, we would have been like very offended with most of what Dave Chappelle's commentary is and and the and the vocabulary and ways he exhibits exhibits it right but in, yeah but in this era okay because of the backlash against because the same people that want to say hey he can't say those things with his potty mouth against our shibboleths are also saying to us you can't say it against our shibboleths even if you clean up your act you just can't attack us period that's where there is more of a, I think, a common cause that goes beyond a particular circumstance. I don't think the China thing does, because the truth of the matter is, and, and when you get outside of of, of this issue, Ocasio-Cortez wants America to look like China. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, w- I, I wish I could go with you broadly, but it's, it's more situational, as Steve says. Um, you got to be wise as serpents on this one and see which ones can produce, uh, which circumstances can and will produce the most fruit. Don't don't make idols of sports ability writ large to do some sort of cultural excavation for you. That's not possible. Yeah, that, that's a good that's a good point, Todd. I, I do think that a lot of people, probably most people, actually, I, I think I'm pretty safe in saying that you do just want sports to be um, uh, sports to be Seinfeld. It's just much ado about nothing, even though it's really important to people. I mean, Steve and I at each other's throats about Patrick Mahomes uh, doesn't doesn't make any difference uh, existentially to either one of our lives unless he fires me uh, because I'm a jerk. <laughs> but seriously, though, uh, I'm sorry arguing, I weren't your quarterback to be arguing, healthy. My bad. Arguing um, was no, that you, passive aggressive you, enough? Yeah. You, <laughs> enough. You predicted his demise, Steve. You. This is your fault. Which is why I'm sensitive to this. Anyway, finish your point. I'm sure it was going to be good. But it, uh, <laughs> is this that, what you do to your that, wife, too? That doesn't... Come around five minutes later for the body slam? <laughs> uh, this doesn't matter. No, I can't it, do it to her. It, That's why I'm going to do it to him instead. Go ahead. People, people don't want to be involved with something that shouldn't matter at the end of the day existentially and have it turned into some ginormous deal that they have to take a stand. They want to be able to turn their brains off. And that's why that's, Carson King is transcendent. Exactly. Because this yep. was supposed, people are like, dude, I'm, we're Iowa fans applauding this Iowa state guy. Yep. This is, this is, this is an easy thing for us to unite behind. And you want to pee in our Cheerios here too. We can't even have this. That's why Carson King to me as a, is, has the potential of being a galvanizing moment far more than the NBA situation does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Real Estate Agents I Trust was started because there's so much frustration these days with buying or selling a home, no urgency, return phone calls, no real marketing. The answer is always, hey, let's have another open house or I'll call you when a home shows up in your price range. Real Estate Agents I Trust knew there had to be a better way and so they established a referral service that vetted agents on three primary areas. One, a proven track record of success. Two, that they understand what a marketing plan actually is. And three, they know what the term professional courtesy means. If you're looking to take advantage of plunging mortgage rates and a booming economy and get in there with good deals happening right now before winter hits, good timing. Just make sure you go in with a real estate agent that you can trust. And you're going to find him or her at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that website is realestateagentsitrust.com. They do business for folks like you. They share your values and they only put agents up there that are the same. Realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. Um, Rodney Holcomb has an, has an observation here that I think is brilliant. You guys tell me if you agree or disagree. He wants to know, does our culture practice a cultural pederasty? From movies to parades to Pride Month and Drag Queen Storytime Hour, does our culture practice a cultural pederasty. Now, for those that don't remember, pederasty is, most people call what pederasty pedophilia these days. Pedophilia is sexual attraction to prepubescence, all right? That's what pedophilia is. Pederasty is procuring young postpubescence for the goal of essentially uh, luring them in to your particular sexual appetite. That's what pederasty is. It's often associated with homosexuality, but not always. Okay, when when you when you when you know, when you watch To Catch a Predator on Dateline NBC a decade ago, men our age or older going after girls that were 13, 14, or fifteen years old. That's pederasty, not pedophilia. Okay, so but it's it's most often associated with homosexuality because in Bedouin or Arab cultures and in Greek and Ro- Greco-Roman culture, older men would would recruit postpubescent boys and procure them into their uh, into their particular set of sexual appetite, okay? And so what Rodney is saying is when you look at the way we are encouraging the delinquency of our children, are we practicing a cultural version of this? I thought that was a great a great uh, metaphor. What do you guys think? Um, David French's yeah. ears are ringing right now. <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, so pederasty is, is what he's talking about, the emailer, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um if you were still alive, you could you could basically ask Hugh Hefner the same thing because that's in effect. Even though that's not maybe what his intention was, that was the effect. <laughs> that's that, yeah. uh, uh, Early perfect. on uh, of of what I think this emailer is talking about. Perfect, and I don't want to be glib. That's perfect because yeah, with the, the grotto. Well, this is just David French now is saying the library is the grotto at Hef's mansion. This is just the price of freedom. It's yeah, like during the Crusades, uh, the sultans. In the Muslim world, the Ottoman sultans, they would, they would take their 13, 14, 15-year-old boy toys with them off to war to, uh, as, as, as their pederast uh, toys to pleasure them sexually while they were away from their wives for that long. So this is not a new thing. It's an ancient practice. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday here in a moment. Got to give massive snark points to Stephanie Lavelle. 
who just emailed us during the break. Hey, what if Pat Mahomes played video games? That's she gets us. Yeah, well that's done. very well played, Stephanie. Very well played. Hey, if you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain in the body as a result of inflammation, check out Relief Factor. It's only a dollar a day right now to give it a shot. It's called the Starter Kit. They're so confident that this product will work. They offer it for three weeks for a buck a day, way below cost. Why? Because the results speak for themselves. I am uh, one of those results. I'm a daily user of this product. I mean, the improvement that it's made in my uh, workout recovery, mobility, energy level when I get up in the morning, I can't say enough good things about it. And what I love the most, it's not just the results. It's the way that we get those results. It's 100% drug-free, even though it's devised by doctors, which means these are medical professionals who could prescribe drugs, but they recognize that, hey, if you've got an injury, an illness, go get professional medical help, okay? But if we're dealing with inflammation, your body was made to push back on it, and we'll do so with just a little bit of a boost. And that's what Relief Factor provides with four key natural ingredients to help your body win the battle against inflammation. All right, if you want to give it a shot, try that starter kit, a dollar a day right now, $19.95 for three weeks. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day, except maybe finally, hopefully, the pain at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. All right, let's get back to some feedback Friday. This is from Michael Sipik. I went and watched The Joker with my wife, and there is the one scene, there's one scene in the movie that sticks out in my mind. I just can't seem to shake it. When the rioters take Arthur's seat, that's the name of The Joker for those who haven't seen it. He's given the name Arthur Fleck in the movie. When the, when the rioters take Arthur's seemingly lifeless body out of the police car, and he comes back to his senses and starts dancing on top of the hood, all I could think of while watching the crowd was this, give us Barabbas. This movie was an amazing parable and not about politics, issues, or even mental health. It was a parable about human nature and how the Joker archetype is the eventual outcome of the My Truth worldview. I wanted to share this thought with you guys and see what you thought. You guys have any thoughts on Michael? What he had to say. Excellent. Why? That's Well, I mean, this, this is, again, um, as, as has been said uh, uh, about the Joker multiple times the last couple of weeks, is uh, this does not pull any punches about what human depravity, a lack of a, a, a lack of any um, accountability, just human depravity, human nature left to its own, what that turns into. Todd said it best. Arthur Fleck, he really is a victim in many p- parts of his life, and many in many and uh, in, in, in many in many ways, he, he truly is a victim. But this is, this is what it's like to live in a world without any hope, any sanctification, any salvation whatsoever. Left to their own devices, the human beings who identify with Fleck, they eventually turn into the same thing that he is. He is just one of the many who are out there. And so, yes, this is definitely a parable about human nature. A parable about human nature in an environment where no grace, forgiveness, and salvation exists. Yeah, and the reason you're able to come to that conclusion is because we're not just dealing with a mob, pure and simple, in that movie or in our current reality. We're dealing with a cultish mob, and that dials things up to 11, and that's why that happens. Uh, And that's why it can happen with some level of sustainability. Well said. 
Uh, this is from Ryan Ben. He says, I am a law student and I'm currently taking a constitutional law class. It would be more accurately described as what the Supreme Court has said about the Constitution class. Anyway, I just went through this dis- the, the disheartening exercise of reading Roe v. Wade and Casey. That's the last time, uh, Casey v. Pennsylvania is the last time we truly challenged Roe v. Wade. That was back in 1992. The professor will lecture us on those cases for an hour and 15 minutes here come Monday. I'm wondering if you would go to this class. I haven't skipped a class before other than when I'm sick, but I'm thinking I could make a better use of my time. There is no real opportunity for class discussion. I could ask a question or make a comment, but then I'd be the guy who derailed the class and started an argument, which I've frankly done a few times already. (laughs) And law school isn't the type of place where you meet people on the fence about abortion. I just don't see what good it will do to sit there and listen to intellectual musings on when it's okay to kill your kid. I'm sick of it. My only concerns are my grade in the class and the possibility of looking like I'm not willing to listen to opposing views. So, Ryan, you're saying there is really no opportunity for give or take in the class. And you've done it before, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, this is a purely transactional process for you. All you care about is your grade. Then... I could see this one both ways. You know, um, if it does, if it's not going to hurt your grade by sitting this one out, I, I, I could make an argument for doing so because um, why throw um, or cast your pearls into swine in this particular case? You know, I, had a, I didn't go to law school and one of the reasons why is I wasn't going to make it that far because... I would have arguments like this with professors. I, I, when I first went to college, I was fully intent on going to class and like making something of myself. And so I didn't need too many excuses to be a reprobate. This just gave me the justification I was looking for, though, is I, I would do this all the time. I, I just wasn't going to just sit there. And in, in 1992, 1993, it wasn't near the level of indoctrinate. That was, that was the dawn of the era that we're in now. Political correctness was really just ascending as opposed to metastasizing as it is now as a full-fledged cancer. Um, so I understand your frustration. Are you sure, though? This is what I would ask myself. Because you, you miss 100% of the opportunities you're not there for. And so I would also ask myself, am I sure? Like, let me give you an example. Say you go and you just sit through it. And I don't know, man, those AirPods and earbuds are so small nowadays. Maybe you just sit in the back of the class, slip those in, and just don't let the raw sewage into your, into, into your subconscious, right? You just listen to something else. But say this topic comes up later on somewhere else on campus and you and a person who is in favor of child slaughter are going back and forth. And there might be somebody, somebody there listening in who might be neutral on it. And the other guy comes back at you and says, well, you weren't even there the day that we had this lecture. You haven't even heard these arguments. You know, why should we listen to you? You didn't even listen to our side of this argument. Could that have an impact on your ability 
or your the integrity uh, of your of of your argument, therefore having an impact on your ability to make it. Those are the things I would think about. I don't think it's an absolute, but those are the questions I'd be asking myself before I made the final decision that you're that you're about to make. Yeah, I I think you should go as a as a lawyer. One, it, I don't think there's no argument that you could possibly engage in in your future that is more important than the ability to play a role in overturning our current jurisprudence on abortion. And therefore, you just need to be in the arena, unfortunately, up to your eyeballs in the swell sometimes, because you need to know their arguments inside and out at just a DNA level. And that's, you know, Steve just talked to earlier on the show about going on MSNBC over and over and over again. He he needed to know, not just on a distance book learning level, you got to immerse yourself in it because that's, it's like boxing. You know, you, you, you've been in the ring enough times, you just, it's a spite, you develop a spidey sense and you're not overthinking things and the moment comes, you are just prepared to deal with it. So, I know it sucks, but this is part of being in the arena. And can I add one more thing before you go in there? Sure. The, the other thing, too, is as an attorney, you're going to have to sit in that courtroom yeah. and listen to a lot of hot garbage arguments from the other counsel. And the judge isn't going to be able, isn't going to just let you. So now that I think about that aspect of it, I mean, the, vo, you're, the vocation you're choosing requires you to listen to a lot of, of horse pucky. And and you're not going to be able to say to the judge, judge, we know that this is just I'm 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 not going to subject myself right. to something that is beneath the the you know our intellectual dignity here. That, that's part and parcel with the job that you're pursuing. So now that I consider that part of the conversation, Aaron, then yes, I I think you need to go. I would say so as well. And I brought up my roommate on this show uh, several times now, and we've had the same type of conversation before. Basically, his conundrum is. For one particular class, and it's been it's it, it seems like it's been one class every semester that it's just a lot of hot garbage, um, un, unfettered sewage uh, that he's being uh, forced to listen to and download and write about. And there's one particular class, and I want to I want to set this up again too. My roommate wants to become a PE teacher. And uh, to be a, be a teacher, even a PE teacher, you have to meet certain state requirements here in Iowa. And uh, this class, I guess, is is one of those require one of many requirements. And this class is basically how to be a good social justice warrior teacher. That that's basically what this class is. And for most of this semester, and the semester is almost half over so far. This is at Simpson Simpson College here, one of the most liberal leftist college colleges in the state, if not the most. Um, uh, this class, again, is is basically about how to be a good social... So for about half this class so far, about half the semester, Jeff has just been not taking this seriously, not playing along, and the teacher of the class, I guess, uh, wanted to talk to him about some of this and basically said, yeah, it's cool that you believe these things, but, um, but you know, you can't say that in the classroom. Once you're a teacher, you can't say this stuff in the classroom, and it's okay for you to believe that stuff out of this class, but you can't, you can't, you can't bring this into the classroom. And uh, the teacher apparently said, "You know, I have beliefs as well that I, I can't talk about in the." Cl-. It's I, I brought this up as well. That is that is um, th- that's a creep, and I'm not talking about a noun creep. That is a verb creep mm-hmm. in your own life. 
if you decide I'll just play the game now, uh, the game's going to get a lot more higher stakes if you allow that now. So I'm not saying you have to go in there and kick tires, light fires every single class. Um, maybe sometimes the, the only winning move is not to play at all, uh, is not voting. I mean, we have that, those conversations all the time, so to speak. Um, but there, but especially if it's going to be your profession, the point you just brought up, Steve, was really good. Don't don't allow just because something um, threatens your grade, something like something like that. Don't don't just let it slide because you just want to play the game. Don't play the game because the game is always going to be on their terms, on their turf, and by their rules. Well said. Bob Little is a retired firefighter. He writes, I just started listening to you guys in the past month. You've made me rethink some of my, uh, some of my thoughts. I would describe myself as a secular conservative. Since listening to your show, I now know I've got to stand up and speak for what I believe in morally. Please don't take this the wrong way, but I thought you guys sounded douchey at first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would we would actually i went up to that um but then i couldn't stop listening and how much sense you guys were making including when it came to your faith i feel you guys are truly you truly believe in what you are saying i've always taught my kids about having a strong moral compass and you guys um have that seem to have that in spades i have not reached you guys's level of spirituality oh boy don't no, don't no, no, no aim higher than our level of spirituality and that's that's the thing with christianity there is no level of spirituality for you to aim to someone else already achieved it for you compare don't play the comparison game yep um he says but uh, you guys have inspired me to to work on it and we appreciate that i was raised catholic but um i really don't practice it anymore uh and i guess what i'm trying to say is you guys are inspiring me to learn what it means to be a better christian and stop seeing every choice as binary i can support who i want and if that person doesn't win God is our ultimate judge, and it's him that I have to live up to, not a political party. Please keep up the good work, and God bless. Thank you, Bob. That's really encouraging. Yes. And that's the the critical thinking that's going on in your brain right now, brother. That's why we do, Todd, what we do the way that we do it. And there's enough comments like this that you read about our show that are fascinating to me. I I was kind of, I got in the blaze for other reasons, and I just kind of tripped, and there's just like this, what is this quality right. to it? Which I think is which like is. I don't have a clue how many listeners and viewers total we have, but it, I, I got to give Stephen Crowder credit for yeah. like at least a third of them. Yep. Because the amount of people who said, "Hey, I logged I logged on here in order to follow Crowder mm-hmm. over here," and then has happened to find your show, that's kind of an example of yeah. what you're talking about. But I yeah. like that. It's not. You're right to caution on the heightened spirituality. Uh, uh, but I I love. I take that as a feather in our cap collectively about. There's there's something different, and th- there's a reason for that. It's not by accident. We we don't want to be the same, and not just for the sake of being a, a douche and being different for no good reason. There, there's no good reason to be the same as everything else right now because it's often drek. So thanks for the compliment. Leslie writes, you guys have an inspired message and perspective on many critical topics, and I personally want all of you to continue. So please take this in the spirit it is intended. Oh, no. Please stop groveling for viewers. If you just acted more confident, viewers would be more likely to watch and <laughs> That's listen. That's not true. Please dress a little more towards at least a business casual. I get it, but the wardrobe needs to stop with Batman and 70s style. 
As strong Christians, I find there's an overabundance of sex and focus on male parts. Please stop talking over your colleagues and guests. Please don't say you weren't invited to the Glenn Beck cruise. We need you all to be watching and listening for the least three to four years. I find these things distracting from what you have to share. I might be guilty of all the other things. Let me just say this. I would be terrified if I got invited on that cruise because it'd be the kind of thing You're trapped. That, that I would have to say yes to. And I'm like, that's way too far away from America for too long. I'll go. Okay. I'll yeah. Go. Yeah. I'm like, I, and so I, and it only came up because somebody asked us if we were on that. Okay. But I'm like terrified of being invited on things like that because Did, I feel like I have to say yes, even though it's, it's just, it's a, it's just a lot of travel and a lot of time away from, um, uh, college football and, and pizza delivery. You know, that's how I roll. I'm the ugly American. Indeed. Like, I want to hear so, about how other people went and what they saw, and then they can show me their photos and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, um, can we get a VR version? Yeah, we got all that technology yeah, there down there in Dallas. Can, can, can someone film it VR, and that way I can enjoy it that way when you guys get back? That's how I'd like to do that trip. What was this poor woman's name? Leslie. Leslie. Yeah. If you had said this to him over Twitter, you would have been blocked. Uh, you probably only see it more, not less now. This is de- Yes. In fact, I'm wondering, is, I'm, uh, what Batman shirts do I not own? Yeah, Can I I'm, wear them all? I'm actually considering on Monday just coming in without a shirt on. Dressed as Batman? <laughs> coming dressed as Batman. That's just as good. I'm Batman. I'm surprised, yes. I'm surprised that didn't end with, don't be the devil. Yes. <laughs> but isn't that, you know... Leslie's a good mom. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. The way that she set that up. Oh, yeah. And I've, I have no idea how old she is. I'm just guessing she's old enough she to basically be a mom. Just or been a mom. She just spit in her hand and yep. just fixed your hair yes. for you like that. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It's perfect setup. You know, oh, you're my baby. But I need these three or four things done a yeah. lot differently than they're currently being performed. Is that okay? Bless your, she forgot to throw in a bless your heart at the end. That's the only thing missing That's from this, true. right? That's true. All right, gentlemen, you have any final thoughts uh, before we get out of here for the week? Uh, don't end up in a ditch. Don't be the devil. Um, apparently, you can't. Yeah, don't be the devil. Apparently, you can't run quarterback sneaks anymore. It's not what I said. Yeah, that's that is not what, what you I said. said, man. That's what you said. Everybody's got a bum ankle, Steve. Everybody's got a bum ankle. Yes. yes. So don't run Everybody any does. don't run any yeah. quarterback sneaks ever. Ever. Um and uh You're a racist. You're a racist. You're a racist. <laughs> You're a racist. You. Thank you. Yep. Misogynist, homophobic bigot. Yep. Ty, what is your final racist thought of the day? I want that to stand. We're gonna get to Iowa, Wisconsin soon enough, but this is these are good primers, yeah. Uh, see, I'm, I'm, hey, not, listen, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. I wanted your star quarterback to be healthy for you. I'm, I'm a terrible person. See, I'm sorry. Here's the problem. That's a lie right there. <laughs> you do you want to be right or not? Most of the time, <sighs> you want to be right. You know that's true, and you predicted this was going to be going to happen. Not coincidentally, this is Aaron's last show. And it, it's a big announcement. We just saved it for the end. Aaron, yeah. good luck to you in your future endeavors. Thank you very much, boss. See you on Monday. <laughs> All right. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.